Welcome back to Life on a Mission podcast. Uh, it's been a minute, but I'm excited to tell you we've been doing a little revamping of the logo, things like that. Um, I was contemplating a while back on maybe breaking up my episodes into 30-minute segments, but you know, with little thought, uh, I don't think that's necessary, truth be told. The conversations, they go as long as they go. And uh, plain and simple, you know, people can pick up right where they left off. And I just don't want to confuse people with having a multiple part episode. I don't think it's all right. I just want people to be able to listen to it however much they want and uh, just absorb whatever they can from it. So, yeah, this is the Weightless Kentucky podcast with Greg Ellis. It was amazing once again. And uh, I learned a lot from him. I think you guys will learn a lot from him as well. Um, we talked about uh, we talked about sensory deprivation tanks. We talked about floating. We talked about um, wellness. We talked about meditation. We talked about yoga. Um, just a lot of things, honestly, that people don't look into too often. But him and his girlfriend have created this business, and um, their business, honestly, is helping people relax and helping people feel better and to decompress and to recover. Um, they've got a great thing going on. I really think you guys should dive into this podcast episode and listen to it, take some notes, do whatever. But overall, I hope you enjoy it. Before we get started, though, I have a couple of announcements. First off, follow me on social media. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Life on a Mission. Uh, follow my Facebook page, Life on a Mission. And follow me on Twitter, George Shadburn. I'll be tweeting out Whenever I drop an episode, things like that, I'll be tweeting out ideas that I have. Um, you guys are more than welcome to engage me on my social media in any way. If you guys have any feedback that uh, you think I need to hear, or if you guys think that I need to talk to somebody in particular, I'd love to have pretty much anybody on the podcast. I can talk to a brick wall if I wanted to. But with that being said, last but not least, please find it in your hearts to donate to my Patreon page. It's a donation page that I've created for my podcast that allows me to take those monthly donations and to give it to um, somebody who could really do some good with it. Typically, the people that I give it to have nonprofits, ministries, charities, um, any type of organization that is helping people that cannot help themselves. Um, I don't take any of that money whatsoever. Not a single penny of that goes to me. It always goes completely to the person that uh, I donate it to, whoever is um, living their life on a mission to help people, right? So yeah, please find it in your hearts to do that. You'll be able to find um, the link to that website in the descriptions of my different pages. Um, besides that, let's get to the episode. Uh, I really enjoy talking to Greg Ellis. I think you guys will enjoy it too. This is Life on a Mission. Greg Ellis, thank you for being on the podcast, sir. Yeah, thank you for having me. So you own Weightless Kentucky, which is a float tank and wellness center. I have never done a float before, and uh, a lot of people that I'm related to or friends with have never done a float either, but I know that it's supposed to be something wild. 
So I guess I just want to hand it off to you and just tell me a little bit about your business first. Yeah, for sure. Um, not to jump off the bat with a couple contradictions to what you were saying, yeah. but just some um, notes is that it's actually co-owned. Um, okay. So Chelsea Powers, my girlfriend, is okay, also cool. the co-owner of Weightless Float Center. Um, it's also, uh, we call it Weightless Float Center, mm -hmm. um, Weightless KY, or uh, Weightless Sky, as some people call it, on our Instagram, okay. uh, as it looks. Sometimes yeah. I think it's a little bit misleading, but if you Google us or check us out anywhere, you'll see it's Weightless Float Center, or just Weightless, or just Google Weightless. And okay, cool. Floating cool. Louisville. Um, yeah, so thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Um, Floating. The other thing I was going to say is that you said it's pretty wild. Yeah. Although it is pretty wild, we always tell people not really to have expectations going into the float because yeah. there are so many different ways you can float, mm -hmm. you know, and how many, like the different experiences that people have while floating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to break it down for those listening uh, who aren't familiar with what it is, uh, floating is a type of water therapy or flotation therapy. So just imagine like the perfect bath. So it's 10 feet long four feet wide, and uh, there's a thousand pounds of Epsom salt dissolved into the water, so it creates a density that's more than that of the Dead Sea, so you physically yes. just float on the surface. Like the Dead Sea. More salt like than the Dead Sea, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so when you're floating, the not only do you not feel gravity, but the water is the same temperature as your body, so you don't feel the water. How much and salt is in your tank? A thousand pounds. Uh, well, it's actually just over 900, but we say 1,000 because it's an yes. easier number for people to quantify. So it's about five pounds per gallon of water. So when you're floating, the salt enables you to float effortlessly on the surface. The okay. water is the same temperature as your skin, so you don't feel it. And if you choose to, and this is where people kind of freak out a little bit in the yeah. sense that they're like, well, I don't want to do that. And that's why if you choose to, um, you can close the lid and turn off the light. It's not scary at all, I mm -hmm. promise. But people, the, the concept of it sounds a little scary. Yeah. So when you're floating effortlessly, you don't feel the water. You don't hear anything. You don't see anything. Effectively, your mind is isolated from any external sensory input. So it just leaves you in the state of nothingness, where you get all the benefits of the Epsom salts, detoxing your muscles, reducing inflammation, helps with chronic pain, swelling. Having no gravity on your body lets your spine realign activates that parasympathetic nervous system. And then really when you don't have any, you know, if you just think about right now, like it's quiet in here. Yeah. But if you listen, you can hear a lot. Yeah. Um, just the lights, I mean, there's a lava lamp, the glare over here, you there's can hear cars the car driving and... by, you can hear the trucks and the different gears. And if you really listen hard enough, you could hear the house settling, you know, yeah. or the, uh, the office that, or the place that we're in right now settling. So our brain is taking in billions of signals per second, you know? And when yeah. you get in the float tank, it's almost like closing every app. On your brain you know not hearing things seeing anything feeling things just having no gravity on your body oh, and it's just like because your brain doesn't ever get that <laughs> sensation you know? it's always on guard even yeah. when you're asleep like the heat turns on or a car drives by or your partner rolls over in bed or the cat yeah gets on the bed shit you know like there's so many things that pull us uh that like you know direct our attention yeah um, and when you get in the float tank it's like a cocoon of nothingness yeah you know it's like a controlled isolation so so when I I'm gonna do a float so when I do a float yeah, 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 sure. and you said earlier not to kind of have any expectations mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you like what is the best thing what are the best things that I can do to prepare myself leading up to it just to have mm -hmm. the experience yeah yeah that's a great question um, so what first, <clears throat> what, first of all just when you um, 
book online mm -hmm. uh, or over the phone, you'll get a confirmation email. Mm -hmm. And that confirmation email has not only your appointment, but also some frequently asked questions, <coughs> what to expect, a little pre-float checklist. So it kind of gives you some recommendations of things to do and not to do before your float. Um, and I can detail you know, those, but yeah. one of the things is that there's so many different ways people do float, right? Like sometimes yeah. I like coming straight from the gym, like literally like right from the gym, you leave the gym and you go right into the float tank. And that is really awesome. Like if you're, you know, thinking about it's going to be one of those days where in the next few days you'll be dreading that step down or trying to get in and out yeah. of your car because your legs are hurting, yeah. you know, like, or your arm, you know, just upper body or something like that. You get in the float tank, you just get that lactic acid drain. Cause really like the lactic acid doesn't, build up in your muscles and stay there for too, too long. But if right. you can get that and just kind of flow right into the tank, yeah. you really feel the benefits of that physical recovery. You know, however, when the Ironman was in town, uh, Colin Cook won second place and he yeah. floated at weightless before the Ironman, which I thought was interesting. Okay. Um, so some people float right before they do a really intense sports event. Some people, you know, float after they give their body a once over. So, you know, you can do that. And then too, like say if you, are working really hard, like yeah. you've been working doubles or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. putting in that overtime, and then you have something unexpected happen, and then you have to drive really far, and then whatever, you've just been running yourself ragged, like you get in the float tank, and it's just yeah. the best sleep you've ever had. I jokingly say check out or check in, right? you know, because yeah, sometimes yeah. like I float in the morning for like meditation, you know? Um, so really, depending on what you're doing, there's so many different ways you can go about floating. It yeah. depends on which, like, we tell people to avoid caffeine before yeah. floating, because for the most part, you don't really want to have your mind racing while you're in the tank. Okay. However, for me, like, if I'm going over a bunch of stuff that we have to do for whether it's the space yeah. or the cannabis company that we have, or just kind of life in general, yeah. you know, those types of things, like, sometimes it's nice to just think like yeah. I like quiet space to just kind of yeah. ponder. And when I get in the tank, like even after having a cup of green tea or a cup of coffee, mm -hmm. like it's maybe not for everybody, but it's really nice to kind of just like let your gears start spinning in the tank. And like, yeah. if you like to design or think or just kind of hash out ideas, like yeah. it could be really enjoyable for, for that. So do you experience, um, anything spiritual in the tank? Um, you know, I don't know. I guess that's. I definitely experience powerful yep. um, energy. Yeah. And uh, sometimes, I mean, I find it oftentimes to be a little bit difficult to explain. And I think that other people as well. Yeah. Um, I think that in that space, when you're in the float tank, uh, they've actually shown through MRI and EEG brain mapping that we drop into a different type of brain frequency that's found in REM sleep or in deep meditation. Oh, like um, like there's the four levels. Alpha, beta, theta, delta. Yeah. yeah. What do we reach there? Uh, we hover in theta. Okay. So right now we're in beta. Okay. Um, which is kind of a normal, you know, moving around, moving around. Yeah, yeah. And you get into kind of that like concentrated state. Mm -hmm. um, you actually like go into an alpha state, which you're actually more relaxed, but you're more like kind of aware and like hyper aware but you're more right. like relaxed in that space yeah because it's almost like your comfort zone of like being aware yeah and then you know uh theta being that deep meditation rem cycle sleep and then you have that delta which right. is and i'm i'm, I'm loosely paraphrasing it for sure um that delta is pretty much that like offline it's like uh, that, the, that deep delta like uh lucid dreams or something like that it's like when you're 
if you're dreaming, that's like when you're having those like vivid dreams. Maybe. You kind of hover right on the edge, which is really interesting. So uh, if you ever fall asleep, or right when you wake up in the morning, before you're right before your alarm goes off, right afterwards, or right when you're kind of drifting off to sleep, and you're kind of like glimpsing mm-hmm. through the veil into the dream world, and kind of like swirling yeah. thoughts, and you can almost control those dreams a yeah. little bit. You know, that's kind of how it feels in the tank sometimes, and you. Uh, almost, if you get comfortable enough, you know, you start to get those like, those like hypnic jerks where you kind of yeah. like feel like you're falling for a second and then you wake back up as your head rolls off the pillow or just kind of like moves towards the side. Yeah. Um, and I've found that to be a kind of a fun way to, I jokingly call it riding the waterfall. Like, yeah. because like you're right on the edge where you're just about to fall asleep, but you're still right awake. Right. And I find that to be a spot where if you notice, you start to get there. And the more you float, the more comfortable you become with these different states and kind yeah. of being, you know, being aware in those states. Yeah. Um, and you can like almost like step into that lucid dream state a little bit easier yeah. because you begin to identify where it is that that spot is, you know. Do you, uh, I know like the typical. Just one second, just yeah, to tie right. back because you asked like spiritually. Yeah. And yeah, when yeah. I think about like that lucid state where I have those powerful spirit like uh, dream experiences where like I feel like I need to extrapolate some sort of message from there, I yeah. feel like that goes back towards my sort of like spirituality, like in the sense of like the energy and the universe and just kind of the the lack. It just to me identifies more so the fact that we know so little. Yeah. You know, like it keeps just opening up. Yeah. And you're like, what well, I was I say inner space is way yeah. deeper than outer space, you yeah. know? Because like the inner space of our, our our mind and our soul and our heart and our body is so much I mean literally our body, like the ability um, to be able to think about areas of your body that are in pain and be yeah. able to isolate that awareness mm-hmm. into that point. You know, interoceptive thought, like literally being able to isolate that, and that was like Wim Hof doing that type of stuff, like yeah. pushing E. coli out of his body when they inject him with it. That's right. crazy. Yeah, um, he's familiar with that guy in the Iceman. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, cool. yeah. I've like, I haven't watched too many videos on him, but I've seen like, like his channel and everything, and I, I haven't taken like a rainy day to like dive into mm-hmm. that channel because I know like if I do, I'm gonna like want to watch like. It's All incredible, yeah. I recommend listening to some of just like yeah. uh, the podcasts he's been on, you know, mm-hmm. like the Aubrey Marcus podcast. He has a great I was one hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just he did one just recently. I think it was like January fourth or something like that. I'll he did check one. It out. It's it's real good. But basically, like Wim Hof, he's uh, broken like seventy something world records for mm-hmm. like swimming under ice for like a hundred yards. Um, in water, you know, he uh, summited Mount Kilimanjaro and summited like the, I don't know, the, the death zone or whatever on Everest barefooted yeah. with fucking, uh, excuse me, sorry. No, you're uh, good, you're good. But with um, shorts on, you know, like this guy's like, and people like, there's no way he can do that. Like scientifically, your body would freeze. And he's like, scientifically, you don't know what you're talking about because scientifically, right. science is only defined what has been defined. Right. And it's, it's not plateaued yet. You know, as we dive deeper into things and him, his ability to literally, he's like, no, I can walk on. And they're like, well, it must be just you. And he's like, no, I've taught hundreds of people how to do it. It's literally yeah. just awareness and breath. Yeah. And, but he was uh, injected with E. coli and he was able to like a, a harmful, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was injected with it and he was able to isolate it in his body and push it out of his body. I want to like, watch that. It. Like, I'm going like, to watch that. What? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 really wild because he's just like yeah we have so much more our ability to tap into our um, yeah our breath and our awareness and for our mind to 
That's got to make you think, like, especially, like, in this relationship. I bet, like, in the middle of a float, too, like, when all that's, like, just being released. I even, I talked to my, uh, my pastor, uh, Justin, your former yeah. neighbor, yeah. Um, when he did it, and we had talked about it for, like, an hour and a half, and he was telling me because, um, you know, him and his wife definitely take time out of their week because they're so busy to meditate mm-hmm. and to like ponder things and to listen to like what's going on with them spiritually. And he said, I had never had such a clear, uh, avenue to do that awesome. outside of the float because he, he said like, you know, you can take time to like find a, a space in your house to, to breathe and to block out as much noise as you can. But it felt like when I got in that float tank, I was kind of observing everything that was going on and really thinking about that, but then I just kind of let myself sink into it. And then he said, about the last 30 minutes into it, it felt like if my mind was a highway, it had been in a traffic jam for like the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, everything just cleared out and started just moving so smoothly. And it felt like everything was just coming forward in my mind and I was processing all of it. That's great. That's and awesome. I haven't gotten to speak with him about it, so that's great. No, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. next time you see him, you know, or if he comes by and does it again, you should ask him about it. But it was one of those things where that has to make you think as far as health and medicine goes because what I feel like in this world is what we're doing is, you know, we're not taking time to to take a step back and let our bodies rest and recover. And what we do instead of that is like, oh, you can't handle this certain workload because all of this is on your mind. That means you have ADD and you need to take an amphetamine to make you work harder. And to me, that seems like you're going to grind the gears till the wheels fall off. Yeah, for sure. And I think I'm like, like, what if we got back to designating a time for like a release and meditation and decompressing. Mm. And I think that's like, I, I want to say like, because I've noticed, you know, the float industry has been taking off and has been getting so much recognition that I'm like, is that, is that a result of us as a society realizing like, holy crap, we've got to figure out some way. Right. Yeah. To do that. I think that's a, a main component to it. Um, is pe- people realizing that being like, yeah, we need to, but not just in flotation, but also yeah. um, in meditation. Yeah. Meditation is more popular now. I mean, there's so many apps for meditation that are really encouraging people to take that time because we need it, right? Yeah. Because we're seeking it out. And interestingly enough, yoga, meditation, flotation, we're all very popular yeah. in the 60s and 70s, yeah. right? And it kind of like goes through these waves and surges. Flow. Yeah, the ebb and flow, I guess, of where we're, where we're at with it, and there's a lot of other um, social unrest that sometimes is accompanied with that because we start to feel those stresses yeah. in our environment, and we're seeking ways to um, to to write them yeah. or to, to relax. Yeah. Because one of the things that I think stresses people out most is that some of the people we have come accustomed to relying on yeah. to tell us how to relax yeah. are actually doing the complete opposite like you said right. like they're giving us amphetamines instead of telling you to go outside exercise mm-hmm. and meditate right. you know like and that 
unfortunately, is not just because people think for some reason that amphetamines are great or whatever. It's that prescription yeah. drugs, although very beneficial for some things, are right. incredibly overprescribed, and that comes down to a money issue with right. people getting paid and that's a whole different story and stuff like that so yeah i think people are moving in that direction even in mobile here you know like instead of sending a kid to detention they send them uh, to meditation you yeah. know and they have them close their eyes and think about what they did and that is mm-hmm. far more effective you yeah. know um so with floating though one thing that i just wanted to mention and kind of add on to what you're saying before yeah. is that with flotation and what justin was probably sensing uh was that i also kind of jokingly but realistically and seriously say that for those who have a meditation practice, mm-hmm. um, floating is like meditating in a vacuum. You know, like they say you can't reach terminal velocity because right. of the friction of like the wind and whatever in, in the world, you know? Right. But right. when you get in the float tank, there is no friction of the outside world. You have none of those like external forces. So I think that for oh, those wow. who have a meditation practice, it, yeah. so pe- people say like, you know, oh, I've been meditating for 20, 25 years or something like that. They get in the float tank and they're like, I was able to go to a deeper place, yeah. quicker and deeper than ever before, and then maintain that space, which I find really interesting because yeah. I don't have that type of practice in terms yeah. of that many years under my belt where you have people who do, yeah. and then they go right into the tank and they come out and they say just that, and you're like, impressive. You know, like it's really... Um, That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. And like Justin, because he is, you know, um, somebody who is incredibly spiritual mm-hmm. and he's well read yeah and he loves music yeah. and he's you know he he's uh, a really interesting person who definitely has a obviously a spiritual and mental practice yeah and for those who have i think uh it's not to say that if you don't have a, a spiritual practice or a meditation yeah. practice or um but sometimes the stronger the mind is sometimes yeah. the more powerful the floats can be and yeah. that's literally not for everybody but i've just noticed sometimes that like you know, people who are like Marines, yeah. people who are like extreme athletes, yeah. you have to mentally push yourself in order to physically get to certain places. And I think that you can only be as strong physically yeah. as you are mentally. Yeah. And if you train yourself mentally and then you get in a float tank, yeah. you have a very profound experience. But sometimes just passing out for two hours is an amazing experience. <laughs> I think that, well, I think that just that willing, that willingness alone to get out of your comfort zone mm. is probably one of the first steps because mm. I, I've talked to my mom about it. She's got chronic pain in her hands and stuff like that. And she's mm. just got some issues and I'm like, you know, and, and my stepdad, he's just got like a terrible knee. Yep. And, you know, I say to them or I say to, you know, some other adults that I know, like older adults that I know that I'm like, Hey, you know, I mean, you guys are, trying all this stuff but like maybe y'all need to just take a weekend and relax in like a very powerful way mm-hmm. and i like telling them like you guys should try a float tank yeah and and more often than not i met with the resistance of like eh, i don't want to try all the you know and like they kind of make it seem like it they feel like it's like hippy dippy oh or, yeah for I, sure and I'm like all the time <laughs> and i'm like but it's just it all it is is it's it's a it's a giant giant tub full of salt yeah it's not like they're not asking to do any weird thing you know mm-hmm. it's like this is this is a biological response yeah. that your body would have this isn't you trying eastern medicine like yeah. there's 
there's a lot of variety there. Like if you just look at like what that is, it's like I, I feel like I feel like that could go such a long way for people like that, you know? Absolutely. But I I, I don't know. I have to do it myself, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask you, well, a couple questions. One for you and for your girlfriend. How often do you guys float? And then also, what what are the what kind of people do you see coming in most often to do a float? Yeah, for sure. So I'll answer those two, but then I also want to just say kind of what you were saying before yeah. about people you talk to and that have kind of met with a little resistance and right. float. Um, so Chelsea and I float varying um, uh, amounts depending mm-hmm. on kind of what we're doing and what is uh, available. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to either float usually in the morning before floats begin okay. or in the evening after floats end or schedule, or we all do, or schedule ourselves during the day. Um, I usually float early in the morning. So you float daily? No, no, no. I'm just saying, or we have to float during the day, but that means we're taking up space on our own schedule. Oh, right, right, right. Which we do actually out of, I've come to do, taking to doing it more and more Mm -hmm. as a way to um, literally take that time out of my day where Mm -hmm. I should be doing something and kind of set myself into that nothing like kind of Justin was talking about. And like not caring if I'm taking the space on the schedule and kind of like existing in that space while everyone else is there as well. Kind of as a guest in my own house, you know? Um, Which I feel is nice for me to kind of get even a better feel for how people feel in the space when they're there and stuff like that. When I'm actually like as a guest, you know, I'm not like, hey, I'm the owner here. You know, I just kind of exist in the space. And I know a lot of the people that are there too, but I'm usually about once a week, once every two weeks. Okay, cool. uh, never stretch it out really more than once a month. Um, but I've definitely gotten there before, like just with traveling, and, yeah, and yeah. holidays, and trying to get in and being super busy. And then yeah. it's like, do I want to get up at 6 a.m. to float before I work a full day? Or do I want to, you know, after I work a full day, float at 11 p.m. and then, you know, have to, yeah get out and do that whole riddle right. and stuff like that. Right. So in terms of that, uh, Chelsea, she's probably like once uh, once every two or three weeks, once mm-hmm. a month. Um, but she uses the sauna a lot. She does a lot of yoga. Um, so yeah. she... Y'all have more than just float tanks in there mm-hmm. too. Yeah, I was going to say, we do uh, infrared sauna, um, massage, and then flotation. And then we used to do yoga and meditation, but now actually our friends, the inner warrior, are mm-hmm. above us. Okay. Um, and they do... Uh, meditation and yoga classes and they're really cool uh if you guys have been anyone out there has been thinking about doing a yoga and meditation class the cool thing about inner warrior is that they are a community donation based studio okay and that may people may think oh well it must be like a bunch of like crummy classes or something like that actually it's the complete opposite some of the best teachers in the city teach classes at this spot it's great to pay what you can so the teachers actually can make more Mm-hmm. The students pay less, and everybody works out well, you know. Right. And it makes it uh, more accessible to people. Their meditation classes with Amanda O'Brien are super fantastic. They do, like, full moon ceremonies and stuff like that. So okay. if anybody's been debating it between the yoga, the meditation, the floating, the massage, and the sauna, you'll find something there. Do you um, um, you do acupuncture, though? You know, I've done a little bit of acupuncture, but I don't do it on a regular basis. And I really should because I have... A plate in my arm. Yeah. I have a messed up leg. I have multiple knee surgeries. I have pins in my. Uh, what are your thoughts on acupuncture? Oh yeah, I'm, 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 
totally for it. Yeah, the way that I think about it, I mean, they call them meridians, right? Like meridians uh, yeah. in our body and meridians on Earth, right? The yeah. lines of the Earth. You have your the uh, chakra. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that well? The chakras, I think, are a little bit different. The chakra chakras are um, a different, like theological set, okay. as opposed to um, the. Meridian, the sh- yeah, the meridians in our body, we have these like energy lines like running through our body. Just think of them okay. like little tiny rivers. Okay. Like little tiny streams, right? Okay, cool, cool. And you have energy moving down those streams. Right. What happens though is those, uh, say if you get hurt yeah. or something happens or it's, it's, uh, physical trauma and stuff like that, sometimes mental trauma, yeah. um, can cause uh, like a kink or a block in the river. Okay. So what the acupuncture does is just frees up that. That sounds really nice. And lets that energy flow back. And it's really impressive for people who have physical pain. I mean, I've had acupuncture done and love it, but, yeah. but I don't do it on a regular basis. I know there's actually some community-based acupuncture yeah. studios here in Louisville as well that are really rad. Does that go Does that go hand-in-hand hand with, like, if I wanted to set up a whole weekend mm-hmm. to kind of just relax and recover, yeah. where... Where would I throw acupuncture amongst float, floating, uh, massage, yoga, and all that? Yeah, I don't, um, where would you put it in, like in the terms of a sequence? Or yeah, or like just describe describe like a weekend or a day if I wanted to do all those things. How would you start by doing it? Well, I mean, you can do every single one of them that way, list except for the acupuncture because we don't mm-hmm. offer acupuncture there. Okay. Which is, uh, you know, acupuncture is not dry needling either. Um, that's a kind of a hazy area for some people, I think. But dry needling acupuncture is very different. Acupuncture, you have to go to school for years and years and years. You have to study for a very long time. It's very okay. different. Um, you're dealing with needles and stuff like that. Dry needling, a little bit different. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you could drop acupuncture in there really wherever you wanted to. I guess I would ask an acupuncturist right. um, where they would recommend it going in. I'm thinking, like, it would be nice after a float your skin's all soft and stuff like that. It'd be like, yeah. easier, but also maybe not. You don't want to get right after you float, yeah? Right. Um, in terms of float, massage, sauna, yoga, meditation, like, there's two days a week where there are both yoga and meditation classes mm-hmm. at the Inner Warrior. Mm-hmm. So you could literally do, which is upstairs, so you could literally come into waitlist and you could get a float at like 11 o'clock yeah. or 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And then you get out of the float tank at 2.30, you get into a massage at 2.45, you get out of the massage at, say, 3.45, you get into the sauna at 4, yeah. you get done with the sauna session, and then at 5 o'clock you could go to a yoga class and then after the yoga class, you could do a 7 o'clock or a uh, 6.45 meditation class. So literally, you could do all that without leaving. Holy crap. That uh, sounds like a... That'd be a serious day for sure. That's a serious day, but then that's like... Uh, has anybody done that? The other thing you could do too... Um, no, well, I don't know. Uh, I know there's people that come... No, I don't think anybody's ever done the full day. Is that, a, is that like a... Package offered in waitlist. Well, it could be, but the 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 donation based yoga studio and meditation studio upstairs. Yeah. I mean, we have the ultimate spa package downstairs, yeah. but it doesn't include the meditation and the yoga. But I guess it does because you technically don't have to pay anything. So, um, yeah, it's wow. 
they could that would be really nice to do. That'd be a serious day. I think though, like with um, just your two other questions or your uh, one question and then just kind of your other op- or your other observation about the resistance from family members and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people who come in, man, we have such a wide demographic of people who come in. I think that Joe Rogan. Um, yeah. He has a really popular podcast, and he is a huge advocate of flotation therapy. He has a float tank in his podcast studio. Um, so, I mean, that's like, I know I watched the Elon Musk one where he's like, oh, you want to get in the float tank? You can get in it right now. It's like, you can get it right after the show. Yeah. He's like, we got one here. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, Elon Musk, like, I might go crazy, you know, because yeah. he's such a smart guy and probably thinks so much of the time. But yeah. But Joe Rogan, I was pretty my sentiment, he was like, yeah. no, you won't. It'll be fine. I was pretty humbled to listen to that podcast too. Mm. That was a, uh, he's different. I, yeah, I love listening to him. I literally go on YouTube prior, I mean, I go on YouTube more than once a month, but I go on YouTube once a month and I just type in Elon Musk and I type in most recent. Yeah. And I just look at his most recent talks, whether it's like at the governor's talks or speaking at Google or talking to, you know, um, Joe Rogan. Like, I have been watching that dude for years. I'll listen to him talk about stuff and I'm like, he was sent here to like usher in the future <laughs> like I, like we stalemated ourselves with a few things and he's like okay it's really impressive what he's been doing you know I mean like people don't even know that he yeah. created PayPal yeah like or was a big you know not, not the sole creator but basically he was, he was a partner in yeah partner in PayPal um, and then you look at Tesla with the electric cars and you look at the solar roofs and you look at solar panels and the battery packs and SpaceX and then you look at the boring company and then you look at his Hyperloop and then you're just like dude what and then he's like oh by the way oh some people are trapped in a cave and yeah where was it and he's like oh I'll go over there that's what we'll see because at that point you're just aggregating so many intelligent people who are like dude you're a genius I want to work for you so you get all those smart people together and you have that like positive drive of what you're doing you're like okay guys we need to save a bunch of people get on it yeah. and like he, it's like he doesn't have to literally do every single thing right. he's like um guys can we figure out how to get these people some clean water in Flint Michigan please yeah. you know like alright cool you know like we'll, like it's, it's like intelligence begets intelligence mm-hmm. you know like he is like this lighthouse and all of these other ships in the ocean of intelligence or like like holy crap we need to go dock here and we can really get some stuff done like yeah for yeah. sure and it's not a lighthouse that's saying that there's dangerous rocks off the coast it's one of those right. lighthouses that's like you know <laughs> seek shelter <laughs> any port when the storm approaches not any port actually the best port this yeah. one being an electric port yeah. um, <laughs> a solar power port uh, yeah right <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really it's really humbling to, to listen to Elon Musk and what he's doing, and you know I always tend to get really concerned. Like, I'm always just like, yeah, but cool people are always like really bad in the end. Now it just turned out to be like this evil dictator. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah. I think though he's really, and you know too like, he's he's not trying to run for president in the right. sense, of, or maybe he's gonna, but like you know like he's well, he, not. He can't though because. Uh, He's from not, South Africa. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's true. But like, yeah, you know, he's not. Um, he's not trying to influence politics or anything like that. Like, he's yeah. not trying to take a role in yeah. the limelight. He's yeah. like, which is even to me more humbling because it's like, keep doing your work. Like yeah. that's what you do. You know, it's very similar to Tesla. Like I'll, actually, uh, like I'll look Tesla. at him for somebody who's like a, a powerhouse of a person and not be so worried about him as much as I am about like Jeff Bezos mm. because 
if you like see pictures of what he looked like before and when he like started Amazon and what he looks like now, mm-hmm. it's like he he's not gonna stop. Whatever whatever he's trying to do, mm-hmm. he's not gonna just stop doing it. Yeah, he's the richest by far. It's not like all right, I'm gonna sit back and no, there's something in his in his brain that is not going to allow him to stop whatever he's doing. Yeah, and I'm like, it's going to, he's going towards something. I don't know what it is because I'm not that smart and I'm not that rich. The snowball effect. But he, I'm like, he's going to, he's going to do something and it's going to be well, it's here. Well, crazy because it's, um, you know, it's like, yeah, with Bezos, you know, yeah, he has Amazon. Yeah. And then he has Whole Foods now. Yeah. And he owns the Washington Post. That also. And yeah. he sits on the board of the Pentagon. You know, and you're like, what's going on here? And then what is he doing? That meant well. Now there's well. This was last year. There was rumor of him starting a healthcare company with Jamie Dimon, the former CEO of JP Morgan Chase, who's responsible oh, for the whole bailout, <laughs> oh, and uh, and and uh, Warren Buffett. So you're like, all right. And I my my thought actually was that he was going to start a cannabis company because I mean Kentucky now has at least legal industrial hemp. Yeah. Um, as it's been removed from the Schedule One, and now over half the United States has legal. And we have the best soil to grow it too. So I think that I was like kind of joking and saying like, well, I could see with all these like new, like he got Whole Foods. He like you know kind of he's been yeah. like redefining things in that sort of regard in yeah. a similar way of Elon Musk, but in a more sort of like deleterious way. I feel like it's a little more evil. <laughs> but he's like he's he's like creating this monopoly when. Elon is like creating like an empire almost. Mm. It's like what Elon's doing is like pointing in a direction and it's going up. Mm. He, uh, Jeff Bezos is going outward yeah. and around and, mm-hmm. and engulfing things. Yeah. And, I'm, and it's, it's one of those things where it's like I'm not smart enough to know like what's going on, but I know when whatever happens, happens. It's not going to be anything that like we can just easily predict it, we're not going to know what's happening while it's happening and no, then it's going to happen we're and getting we're, there already I mean we could already we could already argue that we yeah. already are uh, there's a considerable amount of information that's probably being withheld from us regarding so many things whether that's environmental degradation or laws that change no doubt. or just things that are in place or why are we going to other countries and feel like we like what we're told versus what actually happens yeah. when we go into other places like there already is a sound barrier that prevents us from knowing a lot of the normal information that's out there yeah. almost similar to how it make finances mildly difficult for the average joe to understand so mm-hmm. they just turn away from it instead of actually diving deeper into it mm-hmm. i feel that way sometimes about politics mm-hmm. you know and like you said yeah if um we wouldn't even know what would be happening because exactly. it would probably be done without our consent anyways. I mean, just look at, I mean, gosh, look at just like Medicare for all in other states. Yeah. Like, you know, you'll have 76% of the voters vote for it and then lawmakers don't pass it. And yeah. you're like, this isn't democratic. Like, they, yeah. well, why are we voting on this? You know, Emma Goldman <laughs> yeah. said over a hundred years ago, if voting was, uh, if voting changed anything, it would be made illegal. Right. <laughs> and like, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's yeah. a deep. That's a jab right there for sure. Because I, I do think that voting does change a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, I, I really do. Yeah. But you know, sometimes when you have situations like that, when you're like, oh, okay, well, 
it seems that there's sometimes little catch catches in place to reverse mm -hmm. the will of the people. Right. Um, but I just like I'd like to know like where it's all going because I I have conversations with my friends sometimes like we have a bonfire and we get deep mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm like I'll tell them I'm like guys I'm telling you right now like I'm not I don't know what would happen but I would not be surprised if the reality of the way we live in this country right now is not drastically changed in the next 30 years. Like, it's not out of the question. I mean, and everyone's like, why would that ever happen? I'm like, what? It like, already has. It's, but like, we have iPhones. Look have. at, look at, but like, look at, uh, like comedy and society, mm -hmm. uh, the way that like people used to make jokes back then. And now it's like, well, you can't say anything. Yeah. It's like, you, you've got to be careful. Mm -hmm. There was a, we were watching a home video uh, at my mom's the other day, and it was a video that I made with my friends. And I was wearing uh, like this, uh, like this Chinese hat, and it had like a, like a uh, black uh, pigtail coming out of it, yeah. like I was a Chinese guy. Yeah. And I was playing a Chinese guy uh -huh. in this video, and I'm like, oh, that, that would be, be racist. Right. Now, like I... Like if the, if I ran for office and somebody pulled this up, even though I'm like a freshman in high school right. and it was like a school project, mm -hmm. this would not be good. Yeah, and I'm doing like a bad accent and everything. Right, like it's that's not good. Right, and you're like I wasn't being. I wasn't, I wasn't being wasn't me. trying to be like. I was know, literally like, trying to impersonate uh, because that was right when Hangover came out. Mm -hmm. I was impersonating John. Okay, I know who uh, you're talking about, but I. I it's like the, the little guy. Yeah, 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 the little Chinese guy. Yeah. I was just impersonating, but it's like, yeah, I think about, yeah, all of it's different now. And every single year, even in this first month and a half of 2019, it's different than 2018 mm -hmm. already. Yeah, like, we're, it's at a, you know, it has a lot to do with information. Yeah. Um, information processing, Elon, Elon Musk talks about this a lot. Um, is we're producing so much content, yeah. and we're kind of—it's like trying to, like we're we're thirsty for information, but we're like trying to drink out of the fire hose. Yeah. You know, like it's really tough to catch a little bit of what's going yeah. by on such a regular basis that it kind of feel makes us get a little like because like before you can even process a situation, another thing happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're like, what? Who are we at war with? Like, yeah, I can't even uh, like. What did they say? Like, what are we that, arguing what about tweet? this time? What was that thing? And yeah, and there's, um, you know, that's like, that can be considered a, a form of distraction in itself. You know, mm -hmm. it's a very effective smokescreen, um, especially when a lot of the clack or like the, 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 the background that we hear, or the actual like foreground that we're hearing yep. is really um, not of any substance. There's yeah. really not much policy being discussed. It's very much emotions. Yeah. Um, and there are emotions based off of assumptions, based off of other assumptions. It's just like this yeah. compounding. Couldn't be more right. It's just, it's, it's, it's hilarious, you know? Um, and that's why I think people are turning to independent media sources, mm -hmm. whether that's a podcast or people just find someone that they vibe with, yeah. or if it's something like Yes Louisville being a positive content company, right. or something like Democracy Now that I've been listening to for you know over ten years on a day to day basis. Like yep. people always like to say, "Oh, screw our governor," or you know, "I yeah. hate that senator," or "I don't like that town councilman." 
but nobody can remember who they were actually going to vote for. Right. Like, well, who'd you vote for then if you don't like Matt Bevin? Right. And I'm not saying I love Matt Bevin by any means, but I'm saying right. who'd you vote for? And right. that's not your fault for not remembering who Jack Conway was, right? right. And it's like, even if that's not who you're going to vote for, you probably can't tell me who you're going to vote for unless you can, and then that's because you weren't going to vote for either of the left or the right because you had a little, you're following along a little bit more. Yeah. You know? And it's not just it's it's made to seem a little bit yeah and uh, um, ambiguous or a little bit confusing so that we do stray away from it. Yeah. But learning about politics to me seems like like studying for a test. Yeah. Like you just cram it all in right before the election, and then you're like, whoa. Uh, who is that person? Because it doesn't matter because it's not relevant because we're actually not, but if we made information that was yeah. actually pertinent, cool, Yeah. the same way Desperate Housewives and The Voice and all, I, mean, I don't even have a television, but like the same way all that stuff's cool, yeah. we would really see people get engaged and get involved and be able to kind of like, I think, you know, um, steer I'm right there with you. us yeah. in the way where there is so much information but it wouldn't seem so all the same. It wouldn't right. seem so static. You know, right. it wouldn't seem like it just like, <sighs> right. You'd actually be able to like pull out something of like importance from it, you know? Well, that's like during the 2016 election, I, I got upset because of how charged everybody was mm-hmm. on either side. But then here was a thing that got under my skin was that, and, and even though it was funny, I was still like, how, how can we do this and then be upset? In the polls, it showed that over 14,000 people voted for Harambe. Mm -hmm. That meant that over 14,000 different individuals above the age of 18 decided to write in the name of a dead gorilla as their president. And yet there is this polarized amplified, charged, like, just divide going on. And I'm like, how can we be so incredibly upset right now mm-hmm. when people are doing that? Like, because they're doing it because they're so upset. And it's unfortunate that the, you know, the media chooses to kind of promote something like that. Like yeah. saying like, oh, these many people, instead of, you know, because they also chose to put empty podium time of our now president. Yeah more minutes of empty podium time than of actual time of, um, you know, Senator Bernie Sanders speaking. Literally, like, like more time of an empty podium on camera than of another presidential hopeful who's still the most popular politician in the country right Right. now and has been to Kentucky three times since the last election. Who's really working for, um, you know, I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter for sure. And as a local business owner, like, um, you know, I find it real funny when people tell me that, oh, he's going to, like, do a social program. So I don't, know, it's, I don't think people follow enough along to really have... Mm-hmm. Basically, if someone wants to talk to me about politics, and if you're out there and you're talking politics to anybody else and you want to get into a conversation about something, this is the first thing I'm going to ask you. Where do you get your information? Yeah. It's the same thing that we were just talking about before. Where do you get information? If you say, what do you mean? Then I'm going to say, what do you mean? What do I mean? Because, like, where do you get your information from? you get yeah. it from podcasts? Which ones? Do you get it from the news? Which ones? Do you get it from the internet? Which news outlets, which media aggregates, because if you can tell me that, CNN, ABC, MSN, Fox, Al Jazeera, BBC, NPR, Democracy Now!, Young Turks Network, like there's so many out there, and I know a lot of them, and if people can't even talk the cliff notes, 
then if you've never read the Cliff Notes, then don't come talk to me about policy. You know what I'm saying? Because everyone just sits. Then we just get into um, emotions again, yep. which is unfortunate because actually a lot of people who are emotional really need to explain to them what's going on right now because yep. we're in a mildly difficult spot, which yep. makes us feel like we're super stressed out, which is why you should float or meditate. <laughs> I was literally just about to say at the end of that, I'm like, this is, why need, this is why we need to float. Yeah, for sure. And um, this is also a lot of the stuff that we um, encounter uh, as people in this day and age. This is a lot of the discussions that we have at Wayless, you know? Yeah. Um, we talk about these types of things, not in a dismal, sort of sad way, yeah. but in a way that it is comf- it's comforting yeah. to know that everyday people, like you and me and the people that we see at the spa and the people that are at yoga and the people who we run into on the streets are all feeling the same way. Do you feel like people open up more after the floats and are Absolutely. willing to just kind of Absolutely, yeah. talk about stuff? And I think a reason for that is, so just to kind of get into the science behind some of flotation and just kind of, so floating was invented in the 1950s. Um, yeah, so it doesn't have thousands of years of traditional Chinese medicine or okay. you know Hindu culture or something like that attached really? to it. Yeah. It is very much a, a very new frontier um, of the mind and the body and kind of that area where it all comes together. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was invented by a neuroscientist in the 1950s named John C. Lilly. And he also is famous for the study of dolphins, dolphinology. Okay. Um, so John Lilly and a couple other people were sort of at an attempt to isolate consciousness. They were trying to figure out, like, where is this all coming from, this sort of sentientness? Mm-hmm. And very analytically, so they're like, well, what if we just cut off the brain from all the external world? Will it respond? Or is, is it a knee-jerk reaction to information or no? And they found that, you know, because all they had really known is that sensory deprivation is torture. Right. But if you tie someone, if you tort, if you put someone in sensory deprivation against their will, yeah, that's torture. Also, water is not torture all the time, but if you put someone in water against their will, that's right. torture. Everything's no, no. torture if it's against somebody's will. Right. So they really thought that people were going to go insane when they got in the float tanks. They found the opposite. They're like, this is actually incredibly relaxing. So they started to study things like why, you know, the mammalian dive response, just how when we go into the water, how our bodies calm down, how our heart rate slows, and when we touch the water, we relax into it. Um, What's really cool they found is that when we're in the float tanks and we're not being bombarded by this constant external world and we transition into that theta state. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may have heard about it on the Joe Rogan podcast. Michael Paul wrote the new book, How to Change Your Mind, um, which goes into it a little bit. Uh, but it's basically about the default mode network. Mm-hmm. And you think about it like you see something that's red, you think stop, or hot. Uh, you see something that's green, you think green, life, go. Those types of things. Very, very simple. Like, in the sense of everything you do in your life is a repetition of patterns and conditioning that basically gets you through life. Because if you didn't, you'd probably get hit by a car or something like that. You have to have these constant cues that are in place that kind of dictate how we move through life. It's almost like a a nozzle on a hose that limits the amount of flow, right? Because if we actually were taking in the billions of signals that we're taking in all the time, like we're listening to the outside. We would just we wouldn't know what to do. So it's almost like we have like a, a nozzle that limits the amount of flow of stimulus that we're allowed to take in. The thing is though, is that what happens sometimes is in this stimulus flow nozzle processing system that we go through, this default mode network, we find people get the wrong signals. Right. So if you look at post traumatic stress disorder where someone hears a lot of noise and they have a fight or flight response. 
or um, people with addiction, where they can almost see themselves doing the thing, but they can't stop themselves from doing the thing. Yeah. And it's just like this pattern that they can't get out of. It's like they're going down a hill, and they're just like, I'm seeing myself doing it, but I can't do it. Yeah. So this default mode network, it's the system that just constant pattern and processing over yeah. and over again. And when you get in the float tank, when you uh, do meditation, when you get into that flow state of yeah. uh, running or exercising, or they found through now with the research into psychedelic therapy, that it, what it does is it deactivates the default mode network. So it's basically just deactivating the system. Uh, and Michael Pollan uses the is it like phrase he neurogenesis? Says, not neurogenesis per se, but like so. This is what he says: He says, imagine your brain is a mountain covered in snow. Okay. And every thought going down the hill, or every sled going down the hill is a thought. Okay. And over the course of your life, those thoughts going down those hills yeah. develop deep, deep roots in the snow. Okay. And you can't stop those thoughts from going down those hills because it's like it's just stuck in the rut. Right. So when you deactivate the default mode network, it's like shaking the snow globe or getting a fresh snowfall so the sleds can then move along the path of least resistance. So okay. you ask me, do people open up after the float? Very much so. Okay. Because they did a four-year study at the Laureate Institute for Brain Research in Tulsa, Oklahoma um, on flotation therapy for combat veterans with severe PTSD. And they found that the float was actually more effective for them than their medications. So people really open up. Um, when you move from the head, yeah. in, which is just this constant, you know, like stress into the heart space, yeah. which happens a lot in the float, um, people are very, very relaxed and very open after the float. Some people are closed, but we also, too, you don't hook and prod people very much. We have a really relaxing lounge for people to hang out in, yeah. um, kind of similar to this area here. Um, a little bit more colorful with some cool stuff to uh, like look at, books to read and whatnot. Um, you know, we don't ask people to describe their experiences yeah. to us directly after their float. Sometimes they want to sort of just stay in that. You yeah. know, it's like if you wake up in the morning, someone's like, hey, good morning, how are you? Oh, uh, yeah, like, you're just like, I'm not ready for that. I'm just chilling, taking my wake and slow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, also, too, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, hey, how are you? you know, are you a yeah, morning, oh, yeah, morning person? morning person. My girlfriend's like, <laughs> like yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so there's a there's a lot of benefits to the float. It really does help people open up a lot. And it's also one of those things where people are able to open up to themselves, you know? Because a lot of people, they come in and they don't want to be talked to by a therapist. Yeah. Because flotation's great for hypertension, yeah. anxiety, addiction, post-traumatic stress disorder, yeah. chronic pain. So when you're dealing insomnia, so when you're dealing with people who have stress, anxiety, hypertension, chronic pain, which leads to stress and anxiety and stuff yeah. like that, people getting a little slice of relaxation, they want to just maximize the mileage. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. You don't want to like pop their bubble of where they're at. So really, we'll just give them a cup of water, but, you know, kind of, let them know that they're yeah. welcome to sit and enjoy the space. Um, you know, let them know if there's hot tea if they want me. And then, um, you know, we'll give them a, a little while, a little Sunday, if you enjoy it, something like that. And yeah, people do really open up. People yeah. have some profound experiences in the tank. Yeah. More profound than my own experiences. Yeah. Yeah. What was the, do you recall your first experience? 
My first world experience? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, it wasn't really too profound. Um, yeah. I was, I think, so excited and ready and knew what it was going to be like. And yeah. I was like, you know, some people, they hear about the float and they're like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And I, you know, watched the movie Altered State, which is like this 1980 cult classic starring William Hurt that's loosely based off of John Lilly's life where you know, the scientist you know, makes this float tank, this isolation tank, and he ends up having a self-actualizing, de-evolving hallucination. So he, like, de-evolves into a primate in his hallucination. Oh, he goes, like, feral? In the tank, yeah. And then he, like, becomes a primate in the tank, and then he escapes the tank, and then escapes the uh, laboratory and breaks into the zoo and like, eats a bunch of animals and stuff like that. It's a really crazy What is it called? Movie. It's called Altered States. Altered States. Yeah. And I'll watch that. I, we actually show it every year at what it was on Halloween. It's like a Halloween speak movie. <laughs> like an industry guy for them? Yeah. Well, we actually, for industry, um, not for float industry, but for service industry, Yeah. Um, we do a 15% service industry discount for anyone uh, who works in the restaurant industry because both bad. Chelsea and I uh, are just you know hardcore yeah. restaurant cheers and have been for a long time. And yep. We don't as of right now. You, know, you never know when you end up back in a restaurant. Right. But uh, as of right now, you know we don't work in restaurants, but we understand people on their feet all day, running around, bartending, yep. getting yelled at, making two dollars an hour. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we do a fifteen percent service and discount for float and massage. Uh, float massage. Excuse me. The most intense job in my life. Working up, you know. Yeah. That was. That was so. I, and I just ran food, you know. But going back there, I had never seen a more cutthroat situation in my life. And, like, after that, I had never worked in any place like that. No. And it was, I don't know, it was just a, it was a deal. But that was where I, that was where I met you and everything, yeah. of course. But that's I, right when I first met you. Dude, I don't know what you think of that. But that, but that was so intense for me. And I was just, like, trying to do college classes and everything. And, like, trying to get food on tables. But I, I heard just the messiest, like, insults hurled in the kitchen, and it was just, I, it was just intense for me. And I was like, I this must just be like the. Have you worked in many restaurants though? So I worked at the Post afterwards. Yeah, it's just a, you worked at Chelsea yeah. Pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked at Chelsea there, and uh, just beer and pizza. But then I worked at uh, the River House in Levy, mm-hmm. over on the river. Yeah. But uh, I bar back, so I wasn't in the kitchen that often. Yeah. So. You know, the places that I worked at, like those three places. Um, trying to think of how many restaurants, please. Restaurants are just rowdy, though. Like, it's just a, it's its own animal. It's its own beast, you know? I mean, it just, I mean, it just looks like that sometimes. I get it. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Anthony Bourdain has a really beautiful quote just about the, how crazy a kitchen is. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, Anthony, he also wrote a book called Kitchen Confidential. It's all about, like, you know, the whole yeah, and just the restaurant, the beast of the restaurant, you know, yeah. that's kind of what it is and what it does into making it all happen. Yeah. Anthony Bourdain's also, he was a really big proponent of the float tank. Really? Like, huge proponent. He actually has a great quote. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, we'd get done after a long night of work. Um, you know, we'd be like high all night on who knows what from the rush of people coming in and all this stuff going on. And then we yeah. get out and we get so jacked up when we work in a restaurant until. All right, at 12 o'clock at night, like, just like, go, 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 go. And they're like, what do we do? And they're going to get float tanks and just relax. Because it just, like, takes, just resets you. I call it the power down, power up. 
You know, okay. like you spend mm-hmm. spend twenty minutes or two hours <clears> on the phone with customer service trying to figure out what's going on. Like, so you try to turn it off and turn it back on, right? You're like, yeah, click, click, you're like, no, it works. It's great because like that's what happens in the float tank sometimes. Right. Sometimes you get into this really deep meditative state. Yeah. Sometimes you have these really profound, like, like colorful experiences. And other times you're just like, <sighs> you just pass out, like for two hours, like because your brain's basically like, well. I don't have to do anything for once. Right. Just relax for a second. Yeah. And then it's like, damn, I've never ever been able to relax like that. Your brain yeah. has literally never been in such a comfortable environment for it to just be off its guard. You know. Have you ever Have you ever done one overnight? Oh yeah. Like the whole like just an eight hour venture. Not an eight hour. But like you got. Oh, uh, so you got in, went to bed, got up in the morning, mm-hmm. started your day. Yeah. Um, what was that like? No, it's just, it's kind of like sleep, um, a little cold, um, yeah. just because the, literally being in there, when you get, when you like go to sleep, sleep, uh, you know, like the, the water, I mean, the, the water will draw a bit of heat off of your body, even if yeah. you're in warm water, it will still right. kind of pull that heat off of your body. Yeah. A little cool at times. Um, I like to sleep kind of on a side of the fetal position, like mm-hmm. I naturally gravitate with it. I was actually I slept on the floor last night. Like I like sleeping on the floor, it feels really good for me, and I like really comfortable sleep like that. So I have to kind of not sleep like that, mm-hmm. but um, it's not as so. I, I would say something more different than that is I've done seven and a half hours in 10 not sleep. That's got to, so just a wait. Like, I drifted off a few times, but I tried to stay there. Very, like, right here. Was it at a point where you were, like, uh, did you enjoy the whole thing, or were you at some point, like, I just need to keep pushing and see if I can just stay in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's enjoyable. You're like, oh, yeah, Yeah. this is nice. What's enjoyable is the fact that you're, like, pushing yourself to do it. You're like, okay, let's see how long I can do this, because, like, yeah, when you know, like at what point am I going to stop doing that? And two, you don't know, yeah. you don't know what point you're at, right? <laughs> you know, which is even yeah. Some people be like, oh, you should put a clock in there or something. I'm like, no, that's no, it's, it defeats the purpose. Yeah, and like for maybe some people they want to know, and some people do get out and check the time while they're floating. But I personally try to commit to not moving very much, just like yeah. in a meditation. Like once I settle into my position, I yeah. don't try to move around because. When you're in the tank, they call it sensory deprivation because it's sensory deprivation or right. restricted environmental sensory therapy. It, and you're you're purposely like not giving your brain anything to do. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. Yeah. So when you're in there and if you move, like say you like you're laying in the tank, and I really recommend if you floated anywhere and you've never floated with your arms above your head as opposed to down by your side, I highly recommend that. I found that some float centers around the country. Um, around the state and around this city have been not describing the float how I would describe the float, mm-hmm. um, at least in how to guide people into their experience. Because um, people will be like, oh, I floated plenty of times here, there, and everywhere. And then you were like, okay, when I would say, okay, cool, well, let me just give you my little spiel just in case somebody missed something. Right. Because people go, oh, I didn't know that. Because when you lay like this in the float tank with your arms down by your side, almost like Shavasana or something like that, just kind right. of laying down, um, your body is naturally heavier than your arms are. Yeah. So your body sinks slightly down into the water. 
and your arms are right on the surface. Yeah. So yeah. you're basically rounding your shoulders like this. Yeah. So when you put your arms up like this, yeah, it opens it all up right there. And if I slid down like this on a, if I like, even if I stand like this right now, yeah. I feel it kind of pinching my shoulders. And if I were to stay like this for a little while, my yeah. uh, my arms would go numb. Yeah, my fingertips would go down if I lay like this in bed. But in the float tank, there's no pushback. There's no resistance on your back. So it really opens you up and it's super duper relaxing. Um, so there's things that you can kind of do okay. to change your experience. But even if you're laying there in the tank and you like move your thumb, you feel, or like you, you wiggle your big toe. Yeah. And it's completely placid and you've like almost lost all sense of your body. You move your big toe and you feel the water go. Oh, and it like ripples towards you. And then it goes past your ear. And you're like, and then your brain's like, there it is. Because your brain's just sitting right there. And the second you move, your brain's like, that's down. Oops, sorry. Yeah. Can't my phone. No, you're, you're, you're um, good. <laughs> but it's like your brain's like, that's down. It's trying to localize. You know, it's trying yeah. to find up, down, left, right. It's X, Y, Z axis. And it slowly starts to fade away when you're in the tank and your brain doesn't have that uh, point to focus on. Jeez. And then it starts to just, I almost think about I've tried to make some graphics. Anybody out there can make this graphic for me. That would be really bad. So it's me. I appreciate it. Um, I'll just throw it out there. Yeah. I've been trying to get my girlfriend ready too. Because um, <laughs> I can do a really rough drawing of it. And it's not very simple. But basically, it's just an hourglass. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of approach the float in some senses. I have all these metaphors I use for the, for the float. And one of them is the hourglass. And that mm-hmm. when the external world is the top of the hourglass. And when you flip that hourglass over, the external world begins to drain okay. into the internal world. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And it's almost like at first you're laying there on the surface and you're like, I'm on the surface of both like my mental and physically on the surface of the water. Right. And you're just kind of like, okay, I'm just getting in the float tank and I just drove here and I got things to do today and I got things to do tonight and I what I do today. And slowly but surely all those programs that start to default or deactivate, you know, almost like a screensaver turning on Mm-hmm. And that external world then just drains all the way, and that last grain of sand like drops down and enters into the internal. And then I'm like, ah, I'm there. But the second you start to move, it almost like rotates yep. and starts going the other direction. You know. Jeez. All right, here's here's a question. This is way out of my expertise at all. I wouldn't know what's what's good or what's not good, but. Floating on DMT. Mm. Do you have any thoughts or opinions on that? Um, it sounds like it would be crazy, uh, but for a very short period of time because DMT is supposed to be a very short experience mm-hmm. or it doesn't last very long, you know, yeah. like the, maybe the powerful, you know, experiencing the G force of blasting off sort of feeling and mm-hmm. then kind of maybe couple minutes yeah. uh, and then the actual sort of like after effects of the come down lasting you know, 15 20 minutes uh, mm-hmm. I think you'd be left maybe feeling pretty comfortable in the tank but um, it would probably be a little Do I you think anybody could get hurt um, I don't think so because I mean maybe depends how hard you would like really hit it I guess I wouldn't recommend anybody trying to like, you know, go for the Hail Mary. Right. Um, but I could see it being interesting. I think that 
you know, Joe Rogan talks a lot about eating edibles in the float tank. Yeah. Um, and that being a really powerful psychedelic experience. Yeah. Um, he's also talked about eating mushrooms in the float tank and that being a powerful experience. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, if somebody does it, would they just, like, could you just come out just a different person? Like, you just, your personality is no more. Well, I mean, I think with this... The float itself is a really psychedelic experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that DMT or which, however you're sourcing it, you know, like is a powerful experience in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you were, I guess that could happen. I don't know if anybody wants to lose their entire identity in that sense, you know? I I just think, I don't know. But if you're putting a lot on the table, yeah, for sure. Also too, like I wouldn't recommend, I would really be kind of, be mildly perturbed if somebody smoked DMT in our float tank because one, you sign a liability waiver that says you're not high on drugs. Right. Um, two, you could potentially kill yourself in my business, mm-hmm. which would really not be cool for me. Yeah. Because one, I don't want you to die, and two, I don't want to have to close my business down because you did something stupid. Yeah. Uh, three, if you make my room smell like mothballs, <coughs> I'll be really bothered by that. <laughs> And yeah. if for some reason it, you drop a pipe or a vaporizer into the water and all of a sudden there's DMT in my water, um, I could imagine that not being cool either. Does anybody drop anything in the water? No, not really. I mean, like every once in a while, like someone will like leave like a, a like a pen. Does anybody room. like piss the tank or anything? No. I mean, well, I mean, I mean, I can't a hundred percent say that. It's not like the water turns purple. Right. No, you're laying in the tank with your own water. Like, there's right. no reason someone would pee their own tank. When right. you go to the bathroom before you float, you're in there by yourself. And so this actually goes into the question about resistance, right? About yes. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, going into the float and being like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that because people think stuff like that. Like, well, what if someone pees in the tank? Like, well, yeah, what if someone pees in the tank? Like, that's really bizarre. Like, do people pee in yeah. hot tubs as much as they pee in pools? I don't believe so. And if they yeah. do, and you're going to buddy of yours that pees in your hot tub with you or pees in the hot tub while he's sitting in there himself? Probably not going to hang out with that person. Mildly that strange. Much. You know, yeah. like I peed in my wetsuit before surfing, but like, come on. But that's because like you're in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> like you're in the largest body of water possible. Yeah, you know, you're like in a closed, I'm not closed suit, but like, you know, it's, I get, well, whatever. Yeah. Right. Don't, don't pee in the float tank. I don't think anybody has. Nobody's yeah. ever uh, like pooped in the float tank or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so people are always like, with anything, there's always those things that people will say. Whatever, like yeah. sell, you're in sales or you're in uh, yoga or floating or right. an airline. People say, "Oh, I'm scared of flying," or people are scared of the float tank, right? Yeah. Because of a bunch of different things. One, they don't want to be locked in a float tank. That's true. Two, the water's dirty. That's what they think. And three, um, they don't want to deal with themselves. And they don't want to try to experience. So we always say, don't avoid the void. You know, because just yeah. it's not that scary. Yeah, the void. It's really not. It's really rather you'll come relaxing. back. You'll be fine. Yeah, the void of your own self, people's own thoughts. They think, oh, I won't be able to deal with my own thoughts. But probably what's going to happen is you won't be able to deal with your own thoughts. You just go to sleep because that's what everybody does. Everyone's like, I won't be able to deal with my own thoughts, and then they just fall asleep and they wake up and they're like, I feel so relaxed. Yeah, because it's the best sleep you've ever had in your entire life. So people always say. I don't want to be locked in a tank. I, I don't want to be locked in a coffin. Yeah. Me neither. That's terrifying. Yeah. 
being locked in anything against your will is really scary. But in the float tank, there's no locks on the doors. You don't have to close the lid. You don't have to turn the lights off. It's only a foot of water. Yeah. You can put music on if you want to. It's basically like being in a very large, shallow hot tub with a dome on it that's open. You know? And people are like, oh, I'm claustrophobic. And it's like, maybe, but probably not. Yeah. Most people aren't claustrophobic. They just want to be in control. Yeah. And that sense of some, some control is probably something you should work on. Um, but if yeah. you're not claustrophobic in a car flying down the highway with the windows up at 70 miles an hour with a half size field behind you and a bunch of other people whizzing around doing the same thing, you are not claustrophobic in a phobic. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, it's yeah. just one's much more dangerous. That's a good way to put it, honestly. Yeah. And if people aren't claustrophobic in their truck or in their car, then you won't be claustrophobic in the tank. And again, you don't have to close the lid, you don't have to turn the lights off, and you can put music on if you want to. But turn the lights off, close the lid, and don't put music on. Get that really good sense of definition experience. So, cool. It's not scary. The other thing is that we filter the water. Just like a pool or a jacuzzi, whether it's in a hot tub in a pool or a hot tub in a hotel right. or a hot tub on your parents' back deck, it goes through a filtration system. There you go. So one micron filter, it's one one hundredth of the human hair, it's a super fine filter. There you go. Um, it filters all the water in the float tank three times in fifteen minutes. Not only that, it's got a thousand pounds of salt in the water. Like we were talking about before, right. more salty than the Dead Sea. Yeah. They call it the Dead Sea because it's so salty nothing can live in it. So it's more dead than the Dead Sea is. So on top of that, we use UV filtration, which is what, so UV, ultraviolet light, prohibits bacteria growth. Uh, and then uh, we use a 35% hydrogen peroxide solution in the water, which is an oxidizer which burns it off. On top of that, we also use ozone in the water. On top of that, you also don't wear a bathing suit and you shower beforehand and the water is the same temperature as your skin. What does that mean? It means that you don't sweat. In a hot tub, you get in the hot tub with three or four of your friends. You're all wearing bathing suits. Those bathing suits were in the Southside Quarry. Those bathing suits were in the Ohio River. Those bathing suits were in someone else's quarrying pool. Yep. You threw them on your back deck, and then you put them back on, and you jumped in a hot tub with your friends drinking beer. I'm totally down to do that. Let's go. You got a hot tub? Let's go drink beer <laughs> in the hot tub. But if someone's going to be like, ew, the float tank's gross, I'm like, no, the hot tub's way grosser. Yeah. Same with the pool, same exact thing. In the pool, you got people swimming in it, spitting water out of their mouths, peeing in it, little kids in it, jumping in and out, tons of people in it. Wow. Exerting energy and you're sweating in a float tank, the water is the same temperature as your body, and you shower first. How many people shower before they get into the hot tub or pool? Not many people. No. How many no. people go naked in the hot tub or pool? And if you don't want to go naked in the float tank, that's too because you think it's gross. That's cool. You can wear a bathing suit, but you're actually making the float tank grosser. And you're actually not making the float tank grosser because it will be the float tank will be totally fine with your bathing suit in there. Yeah. But if you're thinking about it being gross, you're actually making it quote grosser by bringing in the lint of the bathing suit or something like that. So there's really no concern uh, for the float tank being dirty. It's, I mean, as long as it's upkept. You be, nailed that on the head, by the way. You nailed. Well, <laughs> you the, nailed that. The reason is because that's the thing that people say to us most often. And yeah. it's also the thing. And we also monitor the pH and alkalinity in the tanks yeah. um, and the density of the water. And we take, you know, two to three testings of water a day. Okay. And we all have it in a charted graph. So if anybody were ever come in and say, hey, your float tank gave me a rash, I'd say, well, Mr. So-and-so, you floated here four times and over the course of two and a half years, our levels have always maintained this same thing. So I don't know if it's us, probably something else in your environment. You know? right. um, so Brandon Cohen, who's town councilman for the Highlands, yeah. uh, was formerly, an, well, he's, he's still a practicing attorney, I think, but he was an attorney and he used to work for um, like the mayor's office and stuff like that. 
So I was speaking with a friend of mine at Mellow Mushroom when it was open for mm -hmm. a Forecastle Foundation, which is I used to work at the Forecastle Foundation. Yep. Um, we were at an event for the Close Call Kolsch with uh, Sierra Nevada, if I do recall. And I was expressing my frustration with opening up wait lists and that I couldn't get past the health department regulations. Mm -hmm. And one of my buddies at the bar is actually coming in to get a massage tomorrow for his first time, which is really funny. Serendipitous. My buddy was sitting at the bar, totally not associated with the forecastle event going on. And he was like, How's it going? I was like, oh, I'm having difficulties. And he was like, Well, let's just text my, let's text, let's text my buddy real quick. And I was like, No, it's okay. And he's like, No, I'll just love him. So he put us all in a text message. And then, so it's this other guy then connected me to Rick Cohen. Yeah. And I was like, All right, cool. I think it's JK at night. Um, the guy found the forecastle. So, oh. So JK wasn't at the event. My friend, uh, Brian, who actually owns Jimmy Can't Dance, was yeah. sitting at the bar. And he was like, oh, well, I'll text my buddy. He'll know who, who to talk to. And then he texted JK. JK said, yeah, you should talk to my buddy, Brandon. Brandon is the town councilman for the Highlands. His wife is Summer, who owns Rainbow Blossom. Um, okay. And, I was, and he was yeah. like, yeah. And he had actually wrote, written some food truck regulations for the city because I guess eight or nine years ago or something like that, they were turning away a bunch of food trucks because people were trying to open up food trucks. And the city was just saying no. And they were like, why not? They're like, because we don't know how to regulate you. Yeah. And he's like, well, why don't we just write regulations instead of turning away all this potential business? Yeah, exactly. So he basically did that for us and for flotation. It was like, well, why don't we just get some regulations going here so we can let these, basically let my clients open their business. Or right. is there a problem here? You know? And once you have like, you know, if you ever try to get something done, hire some attorneys. They literally, you pay them to figure out how to, yeah, how to do it, or they just say it for you because yeah. people will listen to attorneys and they won't listen to some some yeah. dumb kid talking about blood tanks. Well, that's cool. I that's neat. Well, that's cool. Well, hey, let's do this. Um, near the end of every episode, I do some rapid fire questions mm -hmm. for the individual. Sure. Um, and then we'll wrap it up after that. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Cool. All right, what's your favorite book? Ooh, yeah, that's a really difficult question. Um, top three or top five if, if you can't figure it out. Damn, that's tough. My favorite book is probably got to be Jitterbug Perfume. Jitterbug Perfume. Yeah, by yeah. Tom Robbins. What's Check it out. Uh, it's about, it's a love story. And okay. I'm not a big love story kind of guy, but I just happened to get suckered into this one because I didn't realize it was a love story at first. So I figured I'd start with it, and if you're going to be hesitant off the bat, know that I was too. It's my favorite book, so you might like it. Nice. Um, Jerry Perfume is about love, it's about smells, it's about uh, staying alive forever, it's about dance, it's about uh, Pan, um, the pagan, you know, uh, horned beast, yeah, Pan, yeah. you know, like, uh, it's about everything, and Jerry Perfume and Tom Robbins is one of the most exquisitely written, flagrantly flavored word doyens that's out there, and he nice. is the most... He writes in a way that cannot be mimicked by anybody else. And I highly recommend his work. Interestingly enough, there's a book by John Lilly, yeah. the founder of the Floatown, right. in my library at Waitlist. Okay. And the foreword, there's two forewords <clears throat> in the book. Yeah. One foreword is by the Swiss chemist Albert Hoffman. Yeah. And the other foreword is by Tom Robbins, my favorite author. Okay, cool. So I'm like, wait a second. I'm standing in my library at Waitlist, reading yeah. the foreword of this book by yeah. the guy who invented the float tank in right. my float tank place. Yeah. 
and the foreword is written by Tom Robbins, my favorite author. And I'm like, what is going on here? Well, you know, like, yeah. yeah, well, so check this out with the connections, not to go too far off the rapid fire here. Yeah, keep going. So John Lilly, through his flotation, uh, going deep into the uh, levels of awareness and consciousness inside, he's a modern, quite a bit of a psychonaut uh, yeah. in the tank. Um, so he mapped out these different states of awareness. Mm-hmm. And through his mappings, he came to the conclusion that there were... Uh, there was something called Echo mm-hmm. that was in the universe. It was called ECCO, the Earth Coincidence Coordinating Organization. And it were these entities that existed in the universe that were expertly crafting coincidences to coordinate your life, to open up and unfold the way that it should, as long as you're being aware. Right? So at the same time, on the other side, the flip side of the coin, you have the SSC, the Solid State Entity. And the solid state entity is pure technology, pure just digital machine technology. And the machine, the solid state entity's job is just to replicate and redesign itself and just basically snuff out life um, in, in the universe with machine knowledge, like robots, you know? So this is like, this guy mapped this stuff out in like the 60s in a float tank talking about ECHO, the so Earth Coincidence Coordinating Organization, and the solid state entity being these two opposing forces that are like guiding your life basically as you're trying to, you know, and the solid state entity is trying to like shut ECHO up so that you will succumb to the machine, you know? Um, so crap. what I wanted to say though is when I was at my float center yeah. reading a John Lilly book from the founder of the Flow Tank who invented yeah. the whole thought about Echo. Yeah. And I see Albert Hoffman, the Swiss chemist who did some amazing synthesization, synthesization for uh, Sandoz Laboratory in 1937. Uh, he and my favorite author were the forewords in this book. And I was like, Echo? Yeah. That's Earth's co- coordinating organization that's right there. I'm in operation. I was like, what? I like literally looked around and was like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah, Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins. So Tom Robbins' whole collection. If you said, oh, I read Eden Calgro's Get the Blues, that is his most popular and worst book. Okay. Read any book but Eden Calgro's Get the Blues. Then read Eden Calgro's Get the Blues. And appreciate it for what it is, and appreciate it for what it is not. Okay. Cool. All right. What's your favorite movie? Ooh. God. Probably Waking Life. What's that about? Waking Life. Uh, it is a film by Richard Linklater. It's an amazing director. He directed the movie Slacker. Not Slacker, it's yeah. Slacker. Okay. He also directed um, Dazed and Confused. All right. All right, all right, yeah, all right. Yeah. Matthew McConaughey's first movie, Matthew McConaughey met Richard Linklater in a bar in Austin, Texas, while Richard Linklater was on break from working on an oil well. And he was like, man, I'm making a movie. And he was like, all right, what type of movie are you making? And he was like, oh, I'll make this movie about like this, you know, like 70s, going to be all like cool. He was like, all right. And he was like, you want to be in it? And he was like, yeah, what am I going to do? And he was like, yeah. And that was Matthew McConaughey's first role. He met the director, Linklater, at a bar. So, well, he also did A Scanner Darkly, which is a Philip K. Dick book that, um, if you're familiar with another amazing author out there, Philip K. Dick, highly recommend his work. But he, uh, uh, Richard Linklater, the director, took the book and adapted it into a film, which is fantastic. And then he also did most recently, I think, Boyhood. Yes, it was, it was that twelve-year movie. Yeah, it like well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. They you filmed it like over twelve years. Yeah, crazy. 
Yeah, so that was Linklater's last piece that he did. And people were like, oh, I don't like it. Don't but it's like you're used to like watching like box office hits, then yeah, Boyhood is probably not your favorite movie because it's very different. It's a Linklater right. film. And he's a very <laughs> surreal, cerebral, smildly psychedelic uh, 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 director. Okay. And that book, that movie, what's it about? So, you know, in Waking, uh, excuse me, in Days and Confused, Mitch, the kid, the long hair. Yeah. He's yeah, like yeah. The, the main character that everyone's yeah. trying to paddle the entire time. Yeah. So his name's Wiley Williams. That's his, okay. real, that's his real name. And uh, in Waking Life, it's kind of about him. Right. And he doesn't know if he's wake walking through his dreams or sleeping through his waking life. And he doesn't he keeps waking up in conversations. Like he'd be in a conversation like this and someone would be talking to him about stuff and he'd be like, Oh, that's really crazy. And then all of a sudden someone would walk in and say, Hey man, do you know blah blah blah? And then he'd walk down the stairs and all of a sudden he'd wake up in his bed and he'd oh, really dream. And then he'd yeah. get up and he'd pour some cereal and then he'd be quick on the computer or on the T V or something like that. And then all of a sudden he'd be like and then he'd start talking. And then he'd be like in a dream again. And then he'd wake up and he'd be like, what's going on? And he keeps like, kind of like your, not yes. Inception, but like a really, really cool movie. But the cool thing is, is in this movie, while he goes through his dreams and sleeps through his waking life and he's unsure if he's dreaming or asleep, is he keeps having these profound conversations about everything and everything. With theologians, with, uh, you know, uh, theoretical physicists, with um, linguists, with uh, college professors, with uh, you know, self self-immolating um, Buddhists with anarchists, yeah. and he just has these very dreamlike conversations as he moves from one uh, dream state, just like a dream, kind of fantastic. Like I was in my house, but it wasn't my house, but I knew it was my house, and all yeah. of a sudden I was in my house backyard, but it wasn't. You know, it's like that. That's sort of the way that just they move along. Yeah. So that movie is amazingly profound, and I watched it when I was in high school, and I have since watched it at least twice a year, every year since then. Jeez. And as I've gotten older every conversation means something different to me. Because yeah. when I was younger, I didn't know what half the stuff that they were talking about was. And as I've gotten older and learned more about love and about relationships and about anger and about friends and about quantum physics and about all this stuff in the world, you're like, oh, damn, I never knew with that. But it, like, it, I feel like it's actually let you glimpse something at such a young age where I, it probably did a lot for me growing up like, uh, and kind of directing where I went with my life, you know, based on that movie. It's also a rotoscope film, so it's shot and then animated on top of. So it has this very like yeah, yeah. surreal sort of look to it. Okay. Um, yeah, Link Linklater's film for grab. I'll will send you uh, that, yeah. or just look it up because yeah. it's like I'll look it up. Like you were saying, you talk, you know, sit around the campfire with your friends and go deep. Yeah. Sit around, sit around a sit on a couch, watch that movie. You go deep. You'd be like, wow, like it's a really awesome movie. All right, cool. Uh, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? That's a tough one too. Um, I don't know if I remember enough advice from random people that I've gotten or anything like that. But my, I always say, my mom always says, like that's yeah. I have my girlfriend Chelsea's always like, you say more about what your mom always says than anything else. Yeah. I can't even remember too many of them right now, but like I guess one that I've always advised like, well, you never know if you don't try, yeah, yeah. Okay. Literally, that's my mom says. Well, you never know if you don't try, yeah, yeah. That's funny. Like, I don't know why she says, yeah, 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 but she does all that. She does probably that just all the time. So that you remember it. Yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I don't know. There's so much good advice out there. But, like, I really like The Four Agreements um, by Dom Miguel Ruiz. I don't um, know those. Yeah, so The Four, Four Agreements is a book by Dom Miguel Ruiz. And he also wrote The Mastery of Love, 
Um, and it's a great book. It's four things to do on a daily basis. And you agree with yourself to do those things. Um, and I found that practice keeping very mindful. If you have a poster of them or a book or something like that, yeah. someone actually stole our four agreements from Waitlist, which doesn't make me super stoked, but Whoa. that's okay. Um, so the four agreements are be impeccable with your word because there's a word there for everything and we should be as descriptive as possible because if you're not impeccable with your word, people will assume things. And the second one is don't assume things. Because if you're assuming things all the time, like whether it's your girlfriend or it's your coworker or it's your mother or father or your kid, if you assume that they knew that, then you're going the wrong way. And if yeah. you're impeccable with your word, then it's less difficult for you to assume that they need something because you were deliberately telling them what it was. Okay. The third thing is to not take anything personally. Okay. Yeah, because a lot of times someone cuts you off and you're like, this person hates me. Um, if, I mean, there's so many things. Like, I used it for waiting tables at restaurants, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I'd be like, hey, oh. how's it going, guys? Yeah. Diet Coke. Okay, sure. You know, and you're like, like you can't let that get under your skin. Because yeah. then, like, what, what if it gets under your skin? Then you walk back and you're like, bitch, table three. She yeah. said to me, and everyone's like, who? Oh, man, that girl. Uh. And then it's just like, what is this? Like, you created all this negative energy out of nowhere. Like, we're yeah. just, like, having a good day. And, it's like, and then it's like, and it's like, dude, maybe, like, she just found out that she has cancer because she drinks so much Diet Coke and she's pissed. Right. Like, you don't know what's going on. Don't assume that you know what's going on in her life. Don't take it personally because she doesn't know you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and as long as, and then the fourth one is always try your best. So if you always try your best to follow the first three, as well as, like, at work, like, yeah, say you went out and, you know, had a campfire and went deep with your friends and you end up staying up all night and you're like, damn, I got to work in the morning. But you go to work and you feel that despite the cons the, um, the situation you were in, you still tried your best. You're like, yeah, I was pretty good fried today, but yeah. I crushed it. I still try as hard as I could. I dropped that one plate. But, you know, like, right, you right. still did it and you're like, oh, you're like, it's not like you're slacking off all day, you yeah. know? And as, lo as long as those four agreements would be impeccable with the word, don't take anything personally, don't assume anything, and always try your best, I think that is like some of the best advice. It's just like, yeah, do that shit. I, mean, I feel that. Yeah. Um, if you could tell the audience anything about yourself and uh, your girlfriend, what would you want them to know about you guys? About both of us. Yeah. Hmm. Since um, you guys are the co-owners, wait. Yeah. Um. I guess about weightless is that we want we wanted to create a space for people to feel like they didn't have to leave. They didn't like yeah, they don't want to leave, that's totally fine. But we don't want anyone to feel like they have to leave. As if we're asking somebody to go. Yeah. Because sometimes you feel like when you go places once you're done paying, yeah. You have to leave. Yeah. But you can't eat food at a restaurant and then hang out there for a couple hours. They'd yeah. be like, Do you need something? Yeah, that's true. And you're like, no, I'm just enjoying this patio. They kind of like just well, kind of keep another pushing beer? that check. Like, no, I'm good. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, I'll transfer you to somebody else. You know, and you're like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm sorry, I gotta leave. No, we want don't want anybody to leave um, yeah. or feel like they have to leave. So I'd say that's kind of what we what I would say about weightless. Yeah. In terms of ourselves, like personally, yeah. um, I would say that probably both of us have a strong passion for our own creative and artistic 
sides outside of weightless. Like it's not like we're like some spa aficionados who yeah. want to just like you know make the spa and then pick our feet up and like drink cucumber water and be like at a spa all day. Like yeah. we have a lot of other interests, yeah. and we basically were like we wanted to create a space where. We can make a safe space where people felt comfortable to relax in, mm -hmm. where we could have candid conversations like this, yeah. and we could all be among like-minded people and know that there are better ways to heal ourselves than the conventional methods. Yeah. But at the same time, we're creating that space so we can facilitate creativity, conversation, mobilization of movements that yeah. need to happen when they do. Yeah. And I think that both Chelsea, Chelsea's an amazing artist, yeah. like absolutely incredible. I mean, she's done a bunch of artistic work for Weightless, and she does all of our graphics and designs and stuff, but her art, I mean, what she makes on the back of a piece of pizza box with a Sharpie, yeah. people are like, what is this? And you're like, oh, that was just a doodle she made. Like, the doodle she does in a couple of minutes yeah. just dropped my jaw, you know? Um, and I'm a really big fan. I, I mean, I write. I write a lot. I write a lot of poetry. I like to rap. Um, I'm a really big fan of hip-hop music and poetry being a, a method to convey important messages, yeah. um, whether it's like political, environmental, or sort of just um, yeah. a thought. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Weightless is probably, is, is like our brainchild, yeah. um, but it's a space that we want people to be creative in, and we ourselves will continue to be creative with it, so just know that we're right there with you all. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I think that's going to do it for us here. But, uh, thank you so much for being on here. Uh, feel like I've learned a lot. Uh, I know the audience is going to learn a lot. And uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. And uh, uh, if you guys want more information, I will post more about uh, Greg's business. And uh, you guys can find out where to go to and set up an appointment to get your float and everything like that. Uh, I hope you guys learned something today because I know I did. Uh, thank you, guys. And I'll see you next time. Peace. Follow us on Instagram. Peace.